Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, porgs of all ages, welcome to Octo Radio episode 12. My name is Alden Diaz, here as always to bring you through the Star Wars news that really made me interested this week, uh, that made me feel that spark of hope, that spark of passion that keeps us going as Star Wars fans, especially during these drought periods, you know, between big events, between conventions where there isn't a lot of news. But, you know, we find things to latch on to. We feel the force. We still find uh, ways to talk to each other, to argue with each other. Uh, maybe argue is not the best term. A healthy debate. I don't encourage arguing, but a healthy debate still means that you care, at least from my point of view. We've got a few things that I want to talk about today before I get more into uh, the kind of amorphous uh, main topic that might have a little bit of dark side energy on my part, a little bit of uh, a questioning, a little bit of a uh, crisis uh, of fandom faith, if you will. Uh, but we've got some news things to hit there. First of all, a brand new book, a brand new amazing book has been announced. StarWars.com had the story. It's been picked up everywhere. Star Wars Newsnet, the amazing uh, team that they are over there, did a nice write-up about it. It's going to be called Star Wars, The Secrets of the Jedi. And what's really cool about this book is that it's going to be written as if Luke Skywalker had written all the passages himself. Mark Sumerak writes this book, and he's going to be taking the voice of Luke Skywalker and using it to explain different things throughout Jedi history, to give insights into different light side of the Force abilities, to talk about different Jedi masters that have helped pave the way all the way up to the, the current adventure of Rey from Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and then soon the Rise of Skywalker. So we're going to have different insights and different points of views uh, on different events we've already seen. So, you know, in the images that StarWars.com put up, we got to see... Uh, or read rather, Luke talking about Yoda learning how to gain uh, the necessary abilities to achieve life beyond death when you're one with the Force to be able to return in ghost form. He passed on to Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon gets an excellent passage where Luke says, you know, he's not a Skywalker by blood, but he is so intrinsically tied with our family. Uh, he was an important figure for my father and for Obi-Wan Kenobi and just uh, Oh, and Ahsoka. My goodness, the Ahsoka passage just got me so excited. You know, I was totally geeking out. Just reading the words uh, and trying to hear it in Mark Hamill's voice of, you know, Luke Skywalker saying, you know, Ahsoka Tano was my father's Padawan and she forged her own path. And it, it, it's going to be a really fun read. I'm really excited about it. There's gorgeous artwork in it as well that accompanies the different passages. So you're able to see, uh, you know, different scenes uh, depicted, but also some new stuff entirely like there's a, a great little piece that shows uh jedi master luke skywalker with young ben solo both with their lightsabers ignited uh luke with the green lightsaber my personal favorite lightsaber uh if i haven't said that on the show before there you go uh all about the green uh, if you listen to the uh, steel wars uh steel saunders uh, podcast hashtag ignite the green i was all about that in the lead up to the Last Jedi, and we did get it a little bit in there. We did get to witness the Green Saber uh, three times during the flashback, so I'll take it. I'll take it. But I'm really excited about this book, and I'm excited to hear uh, what Sumerak had to say about writing it uh, over on Star Wars Newsnet. What they wrote down here, they have a quote from uh, Mark that said, "Sure, we all know his epic story by heart, but the Luke who is writing this particular tome is a long way from the optimistic farm boy he was when his journey began." Because of that, he's able to look past the glorified stories of the Jedi of old to find the truth about the Order, no matter how difficult it may be for those reading to hear. 
So with that in mind, we were able to examine the different aspects of the Jedi Order from an angle that cut through the ancient legends, allowing us to examine why the Jedi needed to exist, why they were destined to end, and whether or not they could or should rise again. First of all, yes to all of that. That is exactly the kind of content that I gravitate toward in the realm of Star Wars that I find to be interesting, that I find to be exciting and enthralling. The idea that sometimes your heroes went about things the wrong way, even with the best of intentions, uh, the hubris of the Jedi Knights during the Clone Wars era, you know, that led to their downfall. You get a lot of that uh, in the comic books and the the different uh, new canon materials people reflecting on on the just the weight of their decisions and how they didn't realize at the time that they were so severely misled. And it was one of the things that I loved the most about The Last Jedi was Luke's lessons, you know, cynical as they may be, to Rey. Uh, he, he leveled with her and he was very realistic and he discussed the fact that, yeah, it was, you know, they were legends. I was a legend, but it was, you know, it was Darth Sidious that took advantage of that and destroyed the order. It was a Jedi master that was responsible for the training of Darth Vader. He doesn't say, you know, my father, but it was still a shot at Obi-Wan. He was cut off from the force. Probably hadn't talked to Obi-Wan. We'll get to that in a second. The book does hint at some fun stuff in terms of Luke's uh, force ghost guidance. But when he says it was a Jedi master that was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader, that's Ben Kenobi. That's the guy that scooped you up off of Tatooine and took you on this adventure in the first place. And the depression and the defeat that Lucas felt for the years between the fall of his temple and Rey showing up on Octo, it's just gotten to him to the point where he can he can is projecting his own failure on Obi-Wan. He can only see Obi-Wan's failure and presumably Yoda's failure and presumably Qui-Gon's failure and every Jedi Knight or Master that he had learned about up to that point. So much projection, but at the same time, you know, we don't have the exact details on when this is supposed to be written in canon, if it's supposed to be taken as a literal canon journal. Are these actually the thoughts of the character Luke Skywalker, or is it just a fun writing device for the young people that may pick up this book? I don't know. Uh, we, I guess we kind of have to believe that Luke would have written this during the third act of Last Jedi before he... Uh, did his uh, final epic act of nonviolence and force mastery, projecting himself across the galaxy before becoming one with the force. I don't know. It remains to be seen, but I know that I'm definitely going to be picking up this book, I believe, in September when it hits. Really excited about it. Uh, and one more reason why I am so hyped about it is that Luke says, uh, there's a page for light side powers, light side force abilities, where Luke says that the force ghost guided him so does that confirm that he had conversations with Anakin past Return of the Jedi? I mean, I certainly hope so. I mean, that's kind of the thing that all fans have wanted. Uh, it's it's the thing that we've thought about. You know, we know that he saw Anakin's ghost on Endor. We get that. And obviously, controversy there. Some people don't like the fact that Hayden Christensen was edited into the scene. I think it's a little wishy-washy. It's a little bit... You know, that, that that one's one of the harder pills to swallow. I'm personally fine with it, but again, that's the perspective of somebody that came into Star Wars through prequels and through video games. And so I saw Anakin, I was like, yeah, I know who that is. But if you grew up with Jedi, you know, from 1983, I can understand that, you know, it could be a little bit difficult to reconcile 
the two images together and have the same feelings uh, during the celebration of Endor. But no matter how you feel about that, we still have always had those questions. You know, Luke becoming a master, Luke having a nephew. You know, it, it's interesting. It's interesting to see um, if they ever had a conversation, the three of them. And Ben Solo took information that Anakin said and completely ran with it the wrong way or the corruption had already gotten to him. And I don't know. It's interesting. We're going to have to wait for a Charles Soule's um, The Rise of Kylo Red miniseries, I'm sure, to get a lot of answers about the timeline and about what went down exactly with Luke as a teacher. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, one thing that the book uh, does say in the preview pages that StarWars.com gave us that I am excited about is that it says that Kylo Ren uh, killed those that would not turn to the dark side. So is that confirmation that the Knights of Ren are Luke's students? I I think that was kind of what uh, Ryan Johnson was implying in The Last Jedi. It remains to be seen. We're going to have to wait and uh, figure that one out, but... I'm really excited about all of this. Uh, the Force lore and the Jedi lore and the Sith lore is the stuff that I'm most excited about personally. So uh, here's hoping that it all comes together in a, in a cohesive way, in a way that enriches uh, across the board. You know, that the book is made better because of what we see in The Rise of Skywalker and vice versa. Uh, moving on to some news, uh, some real life quotes here. Uh, you know, acting stuff. You got Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and John Favreau's uh, Jungle Book remake, phenomenal actor, uh, gave one of the most chilling performances I've ever seen in Breaking Bad as Gus Fring, and uh, continues to do so in Better Call Saul, which is of course the Breaking Bad prequel. If you guys haven't checked that out, uh, might not be everybody's cup of tea. It certainly is nothing like Star Wars, although I'm sure there are parallels that could be drawn. Uh, you know, falling to the dark side and whatnot in both shows. But Giancarlo Esposito is consistently one of the best parts. Uh, such a cold delivery, so calculated, so menacing, but could also be so uh, chillingly kind and uh, disturbingly nice. You know, there were moments where you just didn't know if he was about to snap and ruin somebody's life entirely. But, you know, but you were always uh, completely enthralled and, and engrossed in every scene that he was a part of. Definitely one of the strongest characters has some of the most famous scenes in the show and everything he pops up in now uh i'm I'm very excited about for example he's rumored to be in the new matt reeves uh, batman film starring robert pattinson and i would be super excited about that if he popped up as a villain maybe riddler or calendar man somebody like that but that's for a different show that's for a different show that i have yet to do i don't have a comic book podcast or a comic book movie podcast but who knows maybe it'll happen down the road but what he did say about his role in The Mandalorian, reteaming with John Favreau, is that uh, his character might not be what he seems, that it might be a matter of perspective. I think about Adam Driver uh, at Comic-Con for Force Awakens back in 2015 saying that, you know, it's been uh, so ingrained in our minds that Star Wars is about the light side and the dark side. But for his approach to Kylo Ren, it was more about who thinks they're right, which I think is a really uh, powerful approach to any villain character. I feel like that's the kind of thing that you definitely want to hear. So uh, when you go to this quote from Giancarlo, it definitely echoes those sentiments, at least in my mind. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito had this to say, in a way, you might call him an underworld character. 
You may also look at him as a savior, as someone who might bring back some order to the world after it's all collapsed. Now that's interesting. This might be a uh, light spoiler territory for anybody that doesn't want to know anything about it, that will avoid trailers, that didn't look at the celebration footage when it ended up on YouTube, that wasn't in the panel, that hasn't looked at character descriptions. Giancarlo Esposito, it appears, is playing a surviving Imperial of some kind or some sort of uh, general or soldier from the old Empire. We see him in a TIE fighter and we see him in, a, in a one or two other shots and he definitely looks like a villain from our perspective. But again... It's all about who thinks they're right. Five years after Return of the Jedi, five years after the death of Palpatine, or was it the death of Palpatine? Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll have, that that's a whole other thing. We're, I can't wait to find more. Uh, I can't find out more about what's going on with Sheev Palpatine. Uh, but everybody believes that he's dead. Everybody saw the second Death Star blow up above the forest moon of Endor. Everybody knows that in the next year after that, Going up to the Battle of Jakku, everybody was just going around mopping up Imperials and trying to restore freedom to all the planets. But from his perspective, and from the perspective of worlds that prospered under Imperial rule, you know, it might not be too great a deal. It might be a really bad deal, actually. It might mean the end of livelihoods. It might mean people forced underground. I mean, Werner Herzog's character seems like he might be tied in with that a little bit. Perhaps they're working together. The fact that Giancarlo Esposito is saying that people will see him as a savior, it's really interesting. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he brings to the character. Seeing him and Pedro Pascal acting uh, side by side or you know opposite each other could be extremely interesting. There's going to be lots of different uh, actor-character pairings in this that are going to be super interesting. A few episodes ago, we talked about uh, Gina Carano playing Cara Dune. Is Cara Dune going to be working with Giancarlo Esposito? Does she start as more of a dark side uh, underground character and then move more into the realm of a freedom fighter uh, because her world crumbled? She was a rebel shock trooper. Now there's no war to fight. Are there going to be allegiances like that of ex-rebels, ex-imperials just trying to survive in the underworld? I don't know. All of that has so much potential, and that's why I can't wait, cannot wait for D23 that way we find out more details about the show. I want to know if I'm going to be able to binge it. I want to know if I'm going to have to watch it week to week. I really hope I can binge it, although week to week might be better for podcasting. I don't know. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Do you want to hear uh, you know, Favreau and Filoni come out on stage and say, all episodes dropping with Disney Plus, or do you want to hear them say, every Tuesday night you're going to get Mandalorian. That I mean, that would be nice, but at the same time, that would also mean it would cross into the rise of Skywalker. And personally, personally, I kind of hope that they're kept separate. That's just me, though. That's just me. I don't think it's a great idea to have a television show of this magnitude with the Game of Thrones level production, uh, with you know a whole streaming service that it's going to have to help carry at the beginning as the first piece of wholly original content to make waves uh, to have that crossing with the end of the Skywalker saga would be weird for them both. There's going to, there'd be a lot of comparing. There'd be a lot of, you know, people that might not be as invested in Canon or in uh, extraneous materials being confused. I mean, I remember people asking me in 2016, you know, friends, parents and stuff. If rogue one was going to tell us who Ray's parents were, well, this is the follow-up to that, right? 
We're going to see her and Luke on that island. We're going to see more Mark Hamill. This is the next one. No, it's not the next one. The next one is in 2017. Uh, this is how the world is now. There's lots of content uh, intermingled from these different worlds that don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I think it would be uh, wiser, again, to just drop all the Mandalorian, let that own November, and then you know do Rise of Skywalker or do half a season and then move on and you know release the rest of them in February. Maybe. That might really anger some people, but we'll have to wait and see what their plan is. But again, I want to hear from you what you think uh, is the better course of action. If you are Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy, what are you doing? Because you know that after the solo fiasco, uh, a movie that I love, but it was a release fiasco, and it definitely did not perform to expectations of the other Star Wars films, you know that Bob Iger... Uh, definitely thinks about that. It definitely doesn't keep him up at night. I mean, he, he's doing all right. Trust me. He, he's doing just fine. But it, he definitely probably does think about it. I mean, he said as much when he said, yeah, that one's on me. I said we needed to hit May. Maybe they should have waited till December. We probably are having totally different conversations if they had waited until December. But we'll have to wait and see uh, to, uh, to find out how strategies might have changed, how approaches might have changed. Uh, a couple other small things, uh, wrapping up that um, right there, a couple other small things in news. Um, there was a uh, first look through Fantasy Flight Games at what the Starhawk class Starhawk class battleship from the uh, Aftermath novels actually looks like. You know, these uh, New Republic cruisers that helped in the Battle of Jakku. Um, I think they look really cool. Uh, I personally am not really a ships and tech guy. I've said that before. I have favorite ships. There are ships that I like a lot. Uh, and one of those is the Hammerhead Corvette, which uh, was in the old EU, which was uh, brought onto film in uh, Rogue One, where you see Admiral Raddus calling for a Hammerhead Corvette to help in the Battle of Scarif. This kind of looks like that, but almost in a more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like, like a behemoth like the hammerhead corvette looks like it could come in and do those strikes and hit something and you know be a reinforcement but this this is powerful like i would love to see a full fleet of these with the new modern x-wings that we got to look at in uh in resistance and star wars resistance on on disney channel i would love to see what the new republic fleet actually looked like uh the the, uh, artwork that they released through fantasy flight games is great i'm excited about it um, I'm excited to see uh, fans enjoying uh, what might be the most unique looking of the new ships. Um, there haven't been a lot of completely new ships. I'm sure that new trilogies from Benioff and Weiss, from Ryan Johnson, and perhaps in Mandalorian will bring uh, different designs and stuff as we continue to have to grow that aesthetic. Because what's interesting about Star Wars is that the people making it right now, you know, they are the kids of the original trilogy. So when they think about it, uh, during the creation process, when they think about this world, they're thinking in that tradition, and they're thinking, what would be the evolution of this to that? Whereas maybe some younger artists at Fantasy Flight Games that worked with Lucasfilm or Lucasfilm designers, you know, that passed it along to Fantasy Flight Games, um, maybe that's a prequel kid. Maybe I mean, it definitely looks like it could have fit in the original trilogy, but. Definitely a little bit of an updated aesthetic. So I'm curious to see what Star Wars will look like in 10 years. 
That said, I don't want to skip 10 years ahead. I definitely want to stay where I am now. I am in no rush to get there and see that by the time we're on Star Wars Episode 20 or whatever. But it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that. Fantasy Flight, of course, does such great work uh, with tabletop gaming, with their diff- their three different games that you can get uh, to really enjoy a character-driven experience. Uh, I have one of them. I've messed around a little bit with it. I've never had a really committed a committed game going. It's hard to get a group together, but I've read all the rules and I've I've you know I've YouTube some stuff and and played around with it and I've watched some of a hyper RPGs, Pencils and Parsecs, which was a great show uh, with a great cast of characters. So maybe one of these days we'll uh, do an episode all about uh, tabletop gaming. I know uh, the Curious Low, who's been on this show before, uh, is big into D and D these days, and so maybe she will have some thoughts. Uh, when we talk to her a little bit down the road, which we have been trying to do, just trying to get schedules together to get back together and do another episode uh, talking about Galaxy's Edge. Speaking of which, uh, this is a good time to mention that in an episode or two or three, it will be a full-on Galaxy's Edge geek-out session, Galaxy's Edge review as Orlando, the Orlando location of Galaxy's Edge, finally opens. We will finally be going to Batu. I'm going with my coworker Heather, who is a radio personality and a geek going back to the, the Thrawn trilogy days. Uh, she's a big Star Wars fan, and so we're definitely going to take a dive in there. Uh, did she know that I was going to announce her as a guest and say that she was coming on? Uh, no, but she listens to the show, and this is how she'll find out, and so there you go. And I'm in the same office as her, and so I could just bully her into coming on. It'll be a great time. It'll be a great time. Uh, but but in all seriousness, we're super excited to finally check it out, to be able uh, to go and 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 preview this thing is, is a big honor, uh, and we're really excited about it. Uh, there's a couple other things uh, in news, but nothing too major. I mean, uh, comics continue to come out from Marvel that are really exciting. Uh, I, I've already said on previous episodes that I'm really excited for uh, Allegiance and obviously the rise of Kylo Ren. Uh, working on getting a couple other guests on the show, different people to talk about Star Wars and get some other perspectives on there. Uh, but perspective is the key word. And here's where I want to move into the final topic for today's episode. There is this weird uh, tendency for people on the internet, it seems, to want to always compare Star Wars with Marvel and then in the same breath, sort of talk about Star Wars with today's kids and inevitably Marvel comes up. I saw an article today that was saying, Star Wars failing to grab today's children? Look, I'm not a business analyst. So if somebody tells me, well, the sales of toys from Force Awakens to Last Jedi were worse. All right, sure. Maybe Last Jedi had worse uh, toy sales. That's all fine and good. Uh, they still crushed it though. I can tell you that still billion dollar movie. Uh, and I, that much I do understand about, uh, finances. I know that they've definitely made their investment back multiple times over at this point. You know, you got a few billion dollar movies under your belt. Uh, you've got the theme park of a generation already out. I'm sure they're not too worried. I mean, at this point they, uh, are able to go and do basically whatever they want and, and find different aspects of the audience they're able to find uh, different generational connections they're able to create things for the parent generation they're able to create things for the kids i mean you've got your last jedis and your resistances 
which are in the same time period of the timeline of, of canon in Star Wars, of the in-universe world, but are vastly different thematically uh, in terms of tone. So I, you know, I, I don't really understand what they mean by, by gripping. And that's when I saw some comments uh, that brought Marvel into the equation, that, you know, that that's what the kids like nowadays. And first of all, I would say I think that you're not giving kids enough credit. I think kids can like more than one kind of thing. I know I did when I was their age. I know that my nephews do all the children in my life like different things. Uh, so I think that that's a little bit off base to say that, but it, it's weird. It's weird. This, this constant comparison, is it because they're owned by the same parent company? I mean, I think that might have a lot to do with it. I think that that definitely is a factor, but here's the thing. Star Wars and Marvel are not the same. Star Wars and Marvel have never been the same. Star Wars and Marvel will never be the same. So stop comparing them. I don't normally like to, you know, get on a high horse and, and just be like, this episode is going to be where I tell you why you're wrong. But let me tell you, if you think that Star Wars and Marvel are the same, you're kind of wrong. And I want to say that in the nicest way possible. I understand that it's easy to compare the billion-dollar franchises, but Marvel and DC are both comic book properties. They are built in similar ways. Uh, they were attempting similar goals, so I understand that. But Star Wars and Marvel were built differently from the get-go. You know, Star Wars was this trilogy of films. Then there was a long break. It was another trilogy of films. It was built out in, in novels and games as much as it was in movies for a lot of fans. Uh, obviously, a lot of that has been cast aside in favor of a new era of uh, extra material. But that's a different conversation. What I mean is, is that Marvel Studios started the Marvel Cinematic Universe of movies, which when people say Marvel, that's usually what they mean nowadays. It started in 2008, and it has been a consistent you know, pumping out of movies ever since. It's built differently with different franchises that all cross together at certain points and now cross together quite frequently. Star Wars was not made that way. Star Wars was one story in three parts. The story of Luke happened over... Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, now episodes four, five, six, they were wrapped together in that way for a reason. It was one arc. There was no Luke Skywalker movie, Leia Organa movie, Han Solo movie, Chewie R2 and 3PO, you know, as your as your guardians types, you know, the 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 weirdos, the creatures, and then they were all thrown together in a movie called Star Wars. That never happened. They were built differently. We didn't create fans of different things and then bring those fans together. We created fans of one group, of one story, analyzing myth that in the end is a lot more about being introspective and about, frankly, about being pacifistic to a point. I mean, yeah, it's called Star Wars, but we just saw you know, Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi a couple of years ago emphasize lessons that he learned from Yoda in 1980 and The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, adventure, excitement. You know, that's not what a Jedi is about. We don't crave those things. We don't seek those things. Whereas in Marvel, I'm not saying that Marvel is in any way simpler. I mean, especially now uh, with films like Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame, especially the the thematic undertones of the villains, we've incorporated uh, interesting uh, tones and interesting motivations and interesting perspectives into these stories. But a lot of it is sort of more uh, not careless violence i don't want to say that but it definitely is louder more bombastic more dazzling uh more of a special effects extravaganza whereas 
what's considered a final confrontation in Star Wars, at least, you know, in my mind, will never be a, you know, 100 guys on this side, 100 guys on that side charging at each other, you know, explosions on that level. You get your aerial battles and you get your duels and sometimes you get them interspliced, you know, sometimes they do some really good editing like they did at the end of Last Jedi, like they did, of course, in Return of the Jedi with the Battle of Endor. Uh, that that's, that's about what you get because it's made in a different tradition. Marvel is building on the tradition of comic books, which were unlimited, whereas Star Wars is building on the tradition of other films and other stories, Arthurian legend, uh, Kurosawa, samurai films. It, they're just so different. The fabric is so different that I've never understood the comparison outside of maybe money. You know, Star Wars had such long breaks that, you know, so, so if your father and, and your mother and your grandpa and your uncle or your aunt and, and or, or your, you know, parents, friend, whoever it was, your teacher wasn't into it to carry it for you from one era to the next, it's not going to resonate as hard as Marvel might because everybody that was a Marvel fan in 2008 that's followed along, we've all been getting rewarded together and there's been no break and there's been really no one to pass it to at this moment. You know, there have been people that were born during the MCU that are now elementary age kids that love it, but it hasn't lasted across as much time. You know, when it's 40 years old, maybe we can have a conversation about their lasting impacts and stuff like that, but they're definitely not the same thing. And I think that it's a disservice to both of them to compare them in that way. It's just weird to me. It's just honestly pretty weird. I'm curious to, to find out what some of you listeners think, though. Uh, what comparisons do you draw between them? What types of uh, parallels can we draw that are healthier for the discussion, that are less uh, in the vein of hot takes and trying to get clicks of, you know, Marvel versus Star Wars. Why doesn't Star Wars have a Kevin Feige? Well, Star Wars has a story group that keeps it all in line and, you know, we connect things thematically and, and, and they all come together and we cross things together. I mean, look at the, the story of Ahsoka Tano from one animated series to another, to novels, to comic books, lots of rumors and speculation, uh, some of it substantiated that she'll be popping up in, in Star Wars Battlefront 2, which would be another way to experience that character. They permeate out and it affects and informs other things, whereas Marvel is as a boulder, just building momentum and building momentum crushing records and everybody's cheering for the boulder and and it's it's this character this character and oh you you might not like dr strange but you love guardians and i love dr strange and our best friend is a huge black widow fan and then now oh these kids they love captain marvel and so they're excited to see her but when black panther shows up it's just a really different experience marvel belongs to more people it feels like uh star wars you know never really existed uh in China, for example, China didn't get the original trilogy, so the movies don't perform uh, well over there. It's just, it's just so different, and I really wish that we would stop with the, the false equivalency of that. And I'm not trying to end this episode on a negative note. It's just something strange that I've observed uh, that I definitely wanted to just vent about a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of things that Star Wars is, and I like to talk on this show a lot about what Star Wars is, but every now and then... With the things that you love, you have to talk about what they're not as much as what they are. And Star Wars is not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not Star Wars. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is not telling, you know, these big chunk stories that are about, you know, the hero's journey, that are about 
looking inward and, and, and as much about choices as they are about, you know, setting up different dynamics between the characters, um, giving everybody their own separate arcs that get paid off elsewhere. And then, you know, some of the bigger event films are, you know, less character driven and, and more plot driven. It's different things. And I love them both. And I absolutely love them both. But we got to let things be what they are. You know, that's the big thing that I think is lost in a lot of modern criticism and analysis, especially in online fandom, is letting something be what it's trying to be and not judging it for what it's not. You know, you don't go see an action movie and say, you know, not enough musical numbers in this. Didn't enjoy it. Didn't really see any uh, song and dance men in this. Uh, not a fan. You don't do that. You don't do that. And so I don't think we should do it with franchises of this magnitude and just sort of, you know, you muddy the conversation that way. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, this whole episode uh, felt weird from the second that I dove into this because I wasn't really sure how to approach the topic, but I hope that I was able to convey my thoughts in a way that at least somewhat made sense. If you agree with me, let me know. If you think I'm a moron, uh, let me know that too. But when you are letting me know that I'm a moron, just remember uh, to do it more in the way that Luke would do it. You know, just uh, just c kindly let me know. Uh, smack my hand uh, with a branch or a leaf or whatever he hit Ray's hand with in The Last Jedi. That's fine. Uh, but definitely, you know, let's keep things positive. And I, and I think that by ending these comparisons between franchises... Uh, it will help to keep things positive. I mean, even in the realm of Marvel DC, I've said that before, they're built differently. A lot of things are built differently. Uh, so let's just approach them differently. You know, you can consume things uh, keeping in mind what the goal of the thing is. So that's all I really wanted to say about that. Uh, and I think that that about wraps us up for this episode. Uh, this was a fun one. I'm really excited again uh, for Mark uh, Sumerak's book. Star Wars, The Secrets of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, uh, taking us through history and giving us his perspective on events, Giancarlo Esposito, The Mandalorian, new ships, comics, really excited about everything that's going to be happening right now, news is going to be ramping up in a big bad way, Galaxy's Edge episode coming up soon, uh, doing a little bit of guest booking, hopefully uh, some of these things pan out, I was supposed to have a guest actually this week. Uh, it didn't fall through uh, for reasons that were completely out of either party's control. Hopefully, we're able to uh, bring that back together. But uh, I definitely was glad to be able to get a little bit of that off my chest. Again, there are so many uh, huge problems in the world right now and so many huge problems in society that, you know, complaining about discourse in, in a geek fandom uh, really isn't that big a deal at all. But, you know, given this show, given the people that listen to the show, given the awesome people that have told me they enjoy this show, I figured it could be uh, a good contribution to the overall Star Wars conversation, to overall fandom. Just to let you know, uh, take things in stride, and uh, not everything's the same, and in fact, fandom is better for it. So we're going to wrap up on that note. As always, my name has been Alden Diaz. You can find me personally at AD underscore Strider on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at A period D period Strider. Uh, you can find the show at Octo Radio on all your social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, there's an Octo Radio email address. Just head over to the Instagram. It'll link you there. Uh, if you can find this show on all your podcast platforms, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a positive review. Uh, leave a star rating. It goes a long way to supporting the show. It would mean a lot to help grow this thing, to get guests on, to be able to talk to more of you, to be able to show up, 
maybe at cons down the road. Uh, by the time we get to Anaheim next year for Star Wars Celebration, I definitely want to be able to talk to you guys in person. That would be really exciting. So let's keep this thing going. Thank you, as always, for all the support. And as always, we will close the show with that wonderful call to adventure. Punch it, Chewie.